Welcome to the Cattle Call podcast. Today we have a pleasure to talk with Lena Queen Davison. Lena is an area fire advisor with Cooperative Extension in Hubbard County, California, and director of the Northern California Prescribed Fire Council. Lena is going to be talking about her career, and next week we will be talking with Lena about her job and some work that she is doing. And also, I have here with me today Brooke Latek, who is going to be leading this this podcast. So. Brooke, let's go ahead and call Lenya. Hi, Lenya. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are, how are you doing? Doing well. I'm sitting up here in Humboldt County listening to the wind howl outside. It is a very blustery day. That's great. Um, is this a good time to call you? Yeah, this is great. So we're just going to talk a little bit about your career, how you ended up where you are, and a little bit about your background. And to get started, I want to start off with kind of an easier question that you can't really get wrong. Um, where are you from and what do you do? Yeah, great question. So I am originally from Trinity County which is one of the more rural counties in the state of California. It's actually just east of where I live now. And I'm from a little tiny town called Hayfork, um, which has about 2,000 people and is in the middle of Trinity County and surrounded by national forest that burns up a lot. <laughs> so um, it's part of the reason I do what I do. Um, I am the fire advisor for the University of California Cooperative Extension. And I'm based in Humboldt County, but really functionally, I wor work all over the state and even the country on fire-related issues. And my main passion is prescribed fire or, you know, using fire as a tool. That's great. So now that we knew that you, you grew up in a rural part of California and you work for the U University of California Cooperative Extension, one question we like to ask is when and why did you get started working and choose to work in natural resources and specifically with fire, which is such a big topic right now? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's funny, you were asking me how to pronounce my name bef before we started this podcast. And uh, my name actually means firewood in Spanish. It's spelled a little differently than the Spanish word, but that was the intent that my hippie parents had when they named mm -hmm. me <laughs> and so I like to think I came into this field at birth <laughs> when I was born with <laughs> firewood. But really, um, you know, it was growing up in that rural community that had so much impact from wildfire, um, even back in the 80s when I was a little kid. And my mom worked as a caterer on fires and... Um, you know, fire was just a big part of, of my childhood. And so when I went to my undergrad um, at UC Berkeley, I really became interested in the idea of restoring fire and learning about fire science and ecology and, you know, just, just really trying to understand the role of fire in California and how I had how I had grown up. I always thought of it as really kind of scary and bad. But what I started learning was, you know, how beneficial and how natural fire actually is. And so that really led me to focusing on fire and prescribed fire in particular because it's you know it's the the way that we can restore fire to our ecosystems that are actually so fire dependent and fire adapted. And so you got your bachelor's degree from UC Berkeley, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, I did my bachelor's at UC Berkeley in the College of Natural Resources and focused on ecological restoration and actually a little bit more on watershed restoration than on forestry and fire at that time. And then I worked in watershed restoration for several several years out of undergrad in Mendocino County and in Napa County and doing a lot of stream restoration projects and things like that. But ultimately decided I really wanted to get more into the fire world. So 
I came up to Humboldt State in 2007 and did my master's here at Humboldt focused on prescribed fire in a program called Environment and Community. So I actually have a master's of social science to complement my bachelor of science from Berkeley. That's great. And so when you were thinking about going to college and you were interested in natural resources, why did you select UC Berkeley as as the place to go? You know, I, I had always wanted to go to Berkeley. And part of that is because my my entire dad's side of the family went to UC Berkeley. My grandparents on my dad's side both went and all of their siblings. Like my grandma was born in 1910 and she even went to UC Berkeley. She So I always think of her as this young woman, you know, 18 years old in 1928 and going to college and going to UC Berkeley and then meeting my grandfather. Both of, you know, all of their siblings went and then my dad and his brother went to Berkeley. So it, it was kind of just a big part of my life growing up. It's like, well, of course I'm try to go to Berkeley. <laughs> so, um, so I did. And my, my uncle on my dad's side actually even played basketball for Cal. Um, we're a deep Cal family. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I went there. And, and I just love Berkeley as a place. Awesome. And then you finished your master's in Humboldt. And then did you go straight to your position um, with Cooperative Extension? You know, right after I finished my master's, I actually, um, I did, I, I was involved in some research projects. I spent four months in Florida working on a fire science research project for one of my professors at Humboldt. And then I actually had a job for about a year and a half with California State Parks, you know, just kind of as a field tech doing various projects in natural resources, a lot of watershed related monitoring and and then some prescribed fire. And then finally in 2011, I got a job with Cooperative Extension as a staff research associate. And I was working on issues like sudden oak death and, um, and, and fire science delivery. And ultimately my position changed and I actually was able to have this advisor position. And that was about six years ago. So this, um, this year will mark a decade that I've been with Cooperative Extension. That's good. So then before, let's go back a little bit. So before going to a master's, you always want to do a master's? Were you involved in research during undergrad? Why did you decide to do the master's also? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I can't say that um, that I did always want to do a master's. I, I really enjoyed my undergraduate work at Berkeley. I was not involved in, in research as an undergrad, um, but I was really involved in on-the-ground work. So the whole time that I was in undergrad, I was working summers doing stream restoration work, and I, I was just really fascinated with the idea of restoration. And so when I you know, when I finished my bachelor's and went to work full time in watershed restoration, I just started realizing that I had more academic academic interests around this. And I didn't for, you know, I didn't see myself just working in that same job forever. I really was like becoming more curious about other aspects and especially about fire, which I had dabbled in in undergrad, but hadn't really gone deep with. So my husband and I both decided that we wanted to go back to grad school because we had all these things we wanted to explore and questions and, you know, really wanted to learn more about fire. So that's when, that's when we moved up to Humboldt County and we both went back to grad school and, and my husband's also a fire ecologist. So we're, we're big fire people. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's great. So now to present in your current job as an advisor, could you tell us more about your job? What do you do on a, a regular basis? What's your normal day? You know, I absolutely love my job with Cooperative Extension. I can't imagine a better job. Brooke, I don't know how you feel, but um, our jobs are so dynamic and so unique and we we get to do so many cool things, you know? So on any given, like, I, I think I couldn't even speak to what a normal day looks like. It would be more like, what is a normal month look like for me? And a normal month would include like a handful of days where I'm out doing field work on incredible ranches and with amazing people and hiking around some of the most beautiful parts of my county. And then there would be other days where, you know, I'm on Zoom or hosting workshops and giving a ton of talks. I feel like I give so many presentations and, you know, just talk with so many people. And I love that part. I'm a really social person. So I love that it's all about relationships and networks and being a good communicator and building trust with landowners and land managers. Like those are all the pieces that I just love about my job. Um, It also involves a lot of media work, um, especially, you know, with the recent fire seasons that we've had. I I feel like I'm spending a ton of time talking with reporters and trying to share successes and, and paint a brighter future for California around fire. This year, I've also been doing a lot of work in policy. And so I've been working on some legislation and kind of getting a glimpse into that legislative process and really find that fascinating too. So as advisors, we we just do so much. We do research. We we do on the ground work. We you know we build relationships. It's just really a cool job. That's really good. One thing that I took a note here. You mentioned that you do a lot of communication. You a lot of presentations. How did you prepare for that, or how did you develop that that those skills? Were you born like that, or you had to work hard? Because one thing that I'm seeing we've we've been doing this, and our our guests always mention the communication part, and they always mention that we are not trained on that part as well during undergrad or grad school. So how did you develop that? And you also have any tip to give to our listeners on the communication uh, side? Yeah, it's a really good point that we we aren't really trained in that. I mean, especially in the natural resources, I don't think we um, we receive that kind of training and communications and relationship building. I will say that my master's program, like I mentioned, it was, um, it was a master of arts in social science. And a lot of the conversations in classes that uh, it, it was focused on environmental issues. So it did have like that natural resource lens, but a lot of the classes and a lot of the work that we did was around the politics of natural resource work and kind of the social elements. And so I always remind people that natural resource issues are human issues, you know, and if you can't be relatable and if you're not a good listener, and if you're not, if you're not there to really understand what's driving people and what motivates them and, you know, then you're not, you're not going to have success in the natural resources. So I think for me, the communication piece kind of comes naturally because I am I am a total extrovert and I just love people and I like hearing people's stories and understanding where they're coming from and having compassion for them and I think that's critical really focusing on those those listening skills and and trying to understand where you know people are people are good people are trying to do the right thing and um, you just have to listen to them and understand where they're coming from great that's that's good to hear and so along that line you, you say you're a natural extrovert so that communication wasn't a big change for you. But what was something that was something that you had to learn that was difficult within your job? What was something that you had to kind of teach yourself how to get past? Yeah, that so I would say managing budgets. 
I am just horrible at it. And I am, um, I really like writing and like, I, I think I'm a, I'm pretty decent at writing grants and securing funding for research and for projects, but I am a terrible grant manager. And um, I just, I don't like dealing with it. And we have really complicated um, systems within our, <laughs> within our job where, you know, you're trying to remember what your password is or 20 different passwords for these different budget areas. So I struggle with that. And it's something I have to work on all the time. And I find that it really helps team up with um, with people who are better at that. <laughs> so um, I work a lot with my local livestock advisor, Jeff Stackhouse. He and I are good buddies. And like we we get all this funding for things and we'll have all this supply money. And I hate shopping. Like I'm just not, a, I don't like shopping in my personal life or at work. And so he's always in charge of the shopping. <laughs> he, I can get the money. He needs to spend it. <laughs> so um, I think that that <laughs> partnership is important. That, that's a great point. Like working with like Brooke and I, we've been working together and, and so always good to find. And we also have Dr. Richard Zing here. So we working, a teamwork always help our, our job. I, I totally agree with you. And I also agree in the budget part. Uh, and also when, when I came here for my interview, I remember I always asked the senior faculties what was the, the biggest challenge or transitioning from grad school to some other job in everybody Nation yeah. Part, yeah. Well, so. it's another thing we don't receive training in, right? I mean, yeah. when you get your master's, you don't necessarily take some kind of administration class or a class on budget management. Um, we're just kind of thrown into the fire and, and it's a lot to keep track mm -hmm. of. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the hardest parts for sure. And, you know, teamwork, you mentioned teamwork. That's a big part of our job too. But also having mentors is something that's pretty big within our system. And so one question we like to ask, especially for people coming right out of grad school, just starting their career, did you have mentors when you were coming into this position and in grad school and stuff like that? And what would you, what advice would you give younger people as far as finding mentors and what to look for? I think this is such an important aspect. Like the mentorship is huge. And, you know, even if it's not a formal mentorship, I just, I think being able to work with or identify or have access to people who inspire you or Or people where, where you can see yourself being like them, you know? So I think I have mentors that are are just amazing people and I just look up to them and I kind of aspire to be like them, um, even though we're just friends or we're just colleagues. And so we don't have a formal mentorship relationship. And then I have other people who are actually maybe a little more of a formal mentor who are, who are there for me and are advocating for me and, um, you know, always trying to think of how to improve my access to opportunities like that. So I think my advice to young people coming up is, um, you know, really to not be afraid to ask people for that kind of support or or even to ask for a formal mentorship relationship or, you know, just to to be willing to go out on a limb and, and request that kind of help because people are usually honored to give it and feel, you know, feel special to, to be recognized in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the nicest things coming into my position, because I'm only almost four years in, so relatively new, but having, having that support being right out of grad school was big because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I was still learning. I was in a totally new place. So it's, it's a big deal. And so, you know, we're talking about people here in our relationship and some of our some of our biggest relationships as you mentioned earlier are, are with our producers the people who are using the information where we're doing the research for and so you've done some work on on ranches and things like that how has it been working with the cattle producers specifically oh it's been so 
So lovely, actually. You know, I so I start when I started my position in working in fire science and fire management. You don't necessarily think of the ranching community as um, one of your big producer groups, you know. And here in Humboldt County, Jeff is our livestock advisor, and so he works a lot with the ranchers, obviously. And my early days in my program were really focused more on public land. So I have pretty strong relationships with local national forests and national park service. Um, but I hadn't really gotten into that private sector. And it was really working with, with Jeff that, that brought me into that fold and helped me understand that there was such a strong interest and desire in prescribed fire from the ranching community and that they could really be the, the kind of bold leaders that we needed to advance our work in that area. So partnering with Jeff and really building a shared program around prescribed fire and getting to know those those leaders in the ranching community um, that was essential to to the success of my program and and to all the, the work I'm doing now and I really count you know some of the some of the producers in the ranching community that that we work with are, are now some of my best friends and really um, almost like uncles to me or something I feel like we're um, we're family in some way and so I really enjoy working with the ranching community here and it's broadened my scope quite a bit yeah that's excellent and another great part of the job is being living in the community we serve so we do become very close to the Absolutely. people we're helping. Okay, so those were a lot of the hard questions. So now we're gonna we're gonna try to get to know you more as a person, not as the advisor, but as the person. So could you tell us just something fun that happened your during your career, or maybe during grad school or undergrad um, that you just think back and and laugh when you think about it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, gosh, something funny. Or it can be just maybe a weird request from a producer. We always like to to hear some maybe some fun story. You were putting fire, prescribed fire, and something happened, and say, "Oh my gosh, what what is this?" Like just some fun story. Trying to think. Um, well, I mean, I would just say like one of the funnest things I've done in my job is back in 2017, Jeff Stackhouse and I went out to Nebraska to learn more about prescribed burn associations. And we brought one of our favorite ranchers here in Humboldt County with us. And so we did like this road trip. Um, we flew out to Denver and we rented a car and did this road trip um, with another guy too. So there were four of us out to Nebraska and spent like a whole week just burning with these different groups and hanging out with these lovely people out there, a corn farmer and then um, a cattle rancher. And and just, it was like the funnest trip ever, but it was such a motley crew. You know, it's like these two advisors and this rancher and then our local NRCS forester and we're like cruising around Nebraska together. So um, we had some funny moments on that trip with, um, you know, just being out burning and, and eating ridiculous fast Nebraskan fast food and uh, just really funny times. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so speaking of food, what is your favorite food? Ooh, um, tacos. <laughs> That's a good choice. <laughs> Any kind of taco. <laughs> yeah, definitely Mexican food is my favorite. <laughs> uh, what type of music is usually playing on your radio or on your Spotify? I would say um, what I, well, kind of like folk country. So I grew up in, in Hayfork listening to country and like old country, like Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings and stuff like that. And that's what my family listened to. But now that I'm an adult, I, I find that I I just really like listening to um, yeah acoustic music and still country, but not pop country, more like full. It's good stuff. And then the last question for this section is, what is something you could, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self, 
what would you like to tell yourself? You know, I think I would, I always reflect back on my undergrad, my time in undergrad. And I was one of these, I was kind of a goofball back then. And I feel like I didn't take advantage of all the opportunities that, that I had at, at Berkeley. I was really kind of aloof in, at that period of my life. So, you know, I, obviously I did my work and, um, and enjoyed being there, but, you know, I never went to a single office hours when I was an undergrad. Like I was that kind of student, <laughs> you know. And um, and when I when I went back to grad school, I told myself I was like, you know, now when you're in grad school, you should like take on more opportunities and really seek out new things and say yes to things instead of um, instead of just kind of skating by like I did in undergrad. I I really tried to be more involved and and that really paid off. I think saying yes. You know, when you have opportunities, really grab them and, and try them out because you never know where they'll lead. And in my case, the kinds of opportunities that I sought out in grad school really led me to this job and to this career and to, to all the great relationships and partnerships I have now. So be a yes person is what I always tell folks. You know, it's easy to be someone who says no or can think of excuses why, why you shouldn't do something or why you can't do something. But it's harder to be a yes person. And those are the people who change the world. Those are great advice, Lenya. One last thing before we, we finish up. We have our, uh, we call the, the kettle call top tip. It can be a book or podcast, something that you like to, or a movie that you like and you would like to share with our listeners so they can go ahead and look for that. Uh, just a tip that it's usually... I'm, I'm asking you this, but I watched one seminar that you gave our department last year and you, you gave a tip of a book and I actually got that book and read that book. So if you don't give that, I'm going to give that. But if you have any other tip or any other suggestion of a book or podcast or movie that you would like to share with us. Oh, that's great, Pedro. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I should bring that up because I, I do think that book, um, and that, so that book is a special example. Um, it's a it's a book called A Field uh, field Guide. Or... Field Guide to Climate Anxiety. Era Ray, right? Yeah. So yeah, so this A Field Guide to Climate Anxiety, this was a book that was actually written by one of my really good friends, and she's a professor here at Humboldt State. And her work focuses on climate anxiety and, you know, the, the stresses and basically all the anxiety that we have about all these unknowns, you know, in the, in the world that's changing. And when I read it, um, I read it just as her friend because, you know, I wanted to support her and, and see what's going on inside her brain. Cause she's like one of the smartest people I know. And when I read the book, I just saw so many parallels with fire and, you know, her book came out just after all of those crazy fires in Australia and leading into the 2020 fire season. And I, I actually ended up partnering with her and hosting a webinar focused on her book from kind of a fire lens. And um, I write a regular blog as well. I don't know if, if you guys have come across my blog, but I wrote a blog on her book as well, because I think it's just, there's so much there that we can learn. And it really relates to our extension careers too. She talks in there about, you know, finding reasons to have shared values and, and to work together. And we're not going to be able to overcome issues like climate change or, you know, these catastrophic fire seasons without really trying to understand where people are coming from and work together. So yeah, I love that book. That's great. We will put the book here in the in the description of this episode as well as your blog too. That's good. Perfect. So thank you so much for all of your answers to our many questions. They were very informative. But how can our listeners follow your work? 
work? Ooh, um, well, that's a good question. Well, they could email me like if they're if they're really interested in like kind of the content of my work and some of the actual programs I lead, they should they should definitely just email me, look me up online and shoot me an email and I'll get them into my like mailing list on those things. I am on Twitter if people want to follow me in that way. I think my handle is at LaniaQD and I, I'm not super active there, but they can find me there. <laughs> Uh, and they can also follow some of my work on, on Facebook. So the Northern California Prescribed Fire Council is on Facebook. And so is the Humboldt County Prescribed Burn Association. Those are both pages that I manage and um, post a lot of content there. So if you're interested in prescribed fire, those are good places to, to look. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Lania, for all of your feedback. It was great to hear about how you got here and your career as it is right now. And we look forward to next week when we talk to you about more in depth about your research with Prescribed Fire. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Pedro. Thank you.